Hello, and welcome back to a brand new season of the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. Going into our third year, we're excited to bring you a number of fantastic guests, so if you haven't subscribed already, you can do so at hkspolicycast.org, or if you're on Twitter, follow us at PolicyCast. So today we're talking net neutrality with Michael Beckerman, president of the Internet Association, a coalition of online companies that have come together to lobby officials on the benefits of an open internet. So let's get right into it. Michael, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So uh, we're recording this a few days ahead of time, but uh, on the day that this is released, it will be a day of action among uh, a number of organizations, some of which are, are members of yours, your uh, association. Um, in which they'll be uh, protesting in favor of net neutrality. Um, can you give us just a brief overview of what net neutrality is and why it's so important that uh, you know big organizations are, are advocating for it? Yeah, thanks. Um, net neutrality is an incredibly important issue for both internet companies and internet users. And what it means basically is that an internet user under net neutrality should be able to access whatever legal website they want without blocking or discrimination from the ISPs, from the internet service provider. And that's what so many internet companies and our associations pushing for and why you've seen over a million, I think it's been 1.3 million individuals have filed comments at the Federal Communications Commission to make their, their, uh, their voice known that they favor strong net neutrality rules, which would mean that a internet service provider cannot block or discriminate against lawful websites. So we did an episode uh, back in the spring with Professor Susan Crawford, who um, was also advocating for net neutrality. This was just before uh, court ruling had uh, essentially thrown out the FCC's proposed regulations on the internet. Right. Um, since then, there have been uh, there's been a, a lot of back and forth. Uh, the FCC proposed some regulations uh, that would essentially <clears throat> allow for a fast lane. Could you right. explain what that means? So yeah, so just. Um, Taking a step back on background, in, in 2010, there were net neutrality rules put in place by the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, and they were recently struck down by D, the D.C. Circuit Court. Verizon challenged those, and they were struck down based on the legal means that the FCC went about to put those rules in place, but the court agreed that there was a need for the rules and and, and upheld a number of things that um, dealing with the principle of these net neutrality rules. And so now the FCC has to revisit that to get rules in place. Mm -hmm. And so over that process, the FCC has a lengthy process of comment and what they call an NPRM. And in the NPRM that you were referencing, uh, the chairman of the FCC put out a proposal that would allow for a commercially reasonable standard, as they put it, that would allow for paid prioritization. And that's something that we, the Internet Association, opposes um, and most Internet companies oppose and what Internet users oppose. Because if you're allowing for a paid prioritization, that's allowing the fast lane, slow lane that you, um, you're talking about. So and, by sorry. paid prioritization, you're talking about you know data, some data can move faster along a, right. any any just normal broadband So your, service, your Internet service provider can, come to, can get into a, a paid deal with a website for a faster service lane to reach customers, which on the surface maybe sounds okay, but it does discriminate against the small the startups, it discriminates against anybody else who's not able to have that paid deal. Um, additionally, on the networking engineering side, when there is a network that's not a constrained network, by doing a fast lane, you are therefore having to slow down other traffic, and that's very problematic. 
what is the current state of affairs of how things are shaping up? I mean, it seems like uh, you mentioned the public comments, something like over a million of them. I think, I think it's 1.3 at the last count. And I read that the the Sunlight Foundation did an analysis, something like 99% of them were in favor of net neutrality rules. Um, what is What comes next along that, that line? So um, currently there was a, a comment period and, and the Internet Association filed comments along with you know, over a million, 1.3 million individual internet users and other organizations and, and stakeholders. Uh, and now we're in the review period where the, uh, I think the deadline has been extended again to September 15th for reply comments, and we're working on reply comments, and, and other groups are, and the FCC will go through and review the record and, and come up with a set of rules, presumably sometime this year. So is there, the rules that were proposed with the fast lane idea, uh, are, are, is that still a threat? Is that the, the specter of that still? Uh, sure. Our- I mean, this is all very much up in the air. And so they put out a um, proposed rulemaking to get comments, and that's what everybody's doing. And so we're commenting on that. Other groups are commenting on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's been widely panned from even both sides of the net neutrality debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we need is strong rules that are going to protect Internet users and protect startups and protect the future of an open Internet, which is free to inter- innovate. I mean, one of the great things about the Internet and Internet companies, I mean, we're here at Harvard some of the most well-known internet companies were born here and thought up here in dorm rooms right across the hall. And it's one of the few places of our economy where all you need is that great idea and the will to push it through, and you can create a global company that changes the world from your dorm room and not have to ask permission or, or have all these barriers to entry. And under the wrong type of net neutrality rules or a lack of net neutrality rules, that could basically stop. So there's uh, a lot to like about this, right? It sounds, you know, open internet, uh, you know, innovation, all of these things. Uh, 99% of the people commenting are in support of it, uh, yet it it's not for sure. Why? What, what's the argument against it, honestly? Um, I mean, if you're asking me to give the other the other side's argument, I mean, the <laughs> the internet service providers argue that they build out the networks, it's their network, and they should be able to decide what kind of content's flowing over that Mm -hmm. um, and be able to come up with whatever kinds of deals they want. Um, And that's, I think, an argument that most internet users and certainly internet companies that we represent disagree with. Mm -hmm. You know, for me as an internet user and a consumer, I'm paying Comcast or AT&T or Verizon or some company a lot of money every month for my internet access. And as part of that payment to them, I expect to get the entire internet, right, Mm -hmm. at the speeds that I'm paying for at the quality that I'm paying for, regardless of what site that is. Right. And I don't want to have a gatekeeper in between me and the internet deciding what, pref- oh, this is not the preferred video site, or this is not the preferred social media site, or this is not the preferred search site, or this is not the preferred e-commerce site, and this is the internet you have to visit. That's not good for anybody. So not all of the internet operates under the idea of net neutrality right now. It's the wired internet does, but mobile internet is right. is is certainly more regulated by the companies, correct? Yeah, I'm glad you actually raised that. So the um, 2010 rules that were struck down, um, well, there are three pillars of net neutrality rules. One is no blocking, non-discrimination, and transparency. And the 2010 rules, only the transparency section applied to mobile. And we're in a very different world of the internet today that we were in 2010, and our usage has certainly changed since 2010. Um, 2010, 
there was it was a lot more based on your desktop and the mobile usage isn't wasn't nearly where it is today. Mm-hmm. Today, I think if you ask those 1.3 million internet users what their expectations are if they're on their mobile device, tablet, smartphone, whatever it may be, versus their home computer, I think your expectations of how you're accessing the internet is exactly the same. You expect to be able to get the exact same sites that you'd get on your home computer or your office computer that you get on your mobile phone mm-hmm. or your, your tablet. And we feel we've um, filed comments and we've had um, a number of strong statements saying that the FCC needs to make sure that these rules uh, apply to both mobile and fixed broadband. Because in today's day and age, there's not a difference. So a lot of the talk about what a net neutrality free uh, or uh, an Internet without net neutrality would look like uh, is about, you know, having to pay more for certain services. Uh, Right now, maybe the only example that I can think of off the top of my head of, uh, you know, a non net neutrality um, uh, uh, service out there is T-Mobile's offer that allows y- you know users to essentially stream unlimited music that doesn't count against their their data caps um, at, at, for free, um, and uh, I mean that seems like a benefit for consumers. You know, it's it's something that certainly we need to look at because um, whatever is going to be pro-consumer and allow people to access the internet and be able to visit the sites they want at a better price. I mean, that's great. You know, we want more access. We want more people, you know, visiting whatever sites they want. Um, however, it's something that we have to look at. You know, the question is, well, what is the data cap that they're setting? You know, what is that based on? You know, it's possible that you could set an arbitrary data cap or um, an intentionally low data cap with the intention of being able to have certain paid prioritization deals um, and discriminate or have um, commercial agreements that disadvantage smaller websites or apps or whatever it may be. And it's something that we have to look at. You know, this market's definitely evolving. Um, but I think, you know, you look at all the innovation and the new inventions that are coming up and the, the use cases we have for the internet now it's all coming on the side of the edge providers that we represent mm-hmm. um, and we want to make sure that under whatever the net neutrality regime is that the FCC comes up with it allows for that innovation and allows for internet users to access the internet the way they know and love so given the constraints uh, that the judicial ruling um, put on the FCC's ability to regulate the internet um, one of the options that's been floated out there is to uh, reclassify internet as a common carrier under what is it the Title 1996 uh, yeah. Telecom Act? Yeah. Now is that is that the way forward? Yeah, I think you know for our perspective, we are putting the emphasis on what is the end result, and that hasn't the FCC really hasn't made a decision on that yet. First, they have to decide what is the world of an open internet, innovative internet, going to look like, and what kind of practices and um, open internet rules they want to protect. And from there, they can go back and say, here's the legal piece that we're going to use. Um, you know, you mentioned Title II or reclassification. That's a means to an end and not an end in itself. And so in a lot of debates, we have to be careful that we're focusing on what is the end user experience on the Internet and then work backwards from there rather than saying here is the legal uh, jurisdiction you're going to use and that's paramount and that's the most important thing. It's not. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, however we're able to get to those rules, that's great. And if it's Title II or some other combination of something, um, we can look at that, but the focus first needs to be on what those rules are. So your organization isn't necessarily against uh, uh, that kind of. Our position move. has been our position has been and continues to be that the FCC has all of the legal tools at their disposal. Mm-hmm. They need to keep all of those tools on the table and not say what they're not going to do yet and take anything off. And they need to use their use their full authority, sure, which combines everything and um, focus on what the end result is going to be. Mm-hmm. 
So your organization is actually rather new. Um, and it, as far as I can tell, is one of the only, if not the only, uh, organization of its kind where, uh, you know, all these big online companies are on Capitol Hill, uh, you know, lobbying for for this kind of thing. A lot of the articles I read in, in preparing for this kind of were saying, you know, the, the uh, online uh, uh, industry is growing up. They're finally uh, in D.C. trying to m- make change properly. Um, what has your experience been bringing this uh, kind of new approach for this whole industry along? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think, you know, we represent the most vibrant and exciting industry out there right now. Mm. Um, you know, the internet is the core of our growing economy. It's the fastest growing sector of the economy. And when you look at the most exciting companies that exist today, that's our members, it's the internet companies. Mm. And they're providing great value, but also they're very new. And when you think of the, the in the scheme of things, how long other industries have been around or companies have been around or regulations were around, we're all new. You know, some of our, you know, the bigger companies have been around for 10, 15 years, maybe. Um, you know, when the 1996 Telecommunications Act was written, nobody was thinking about these things, right? And and so it's as our companies grow and kind of um, establish themselves, they realize more that what happens on the political side, what happens on the policy side at all levels of government, from local, what we see with Uber and Lyft and Airbnb at the local level and state level, all the way to the federal and international level, our companies and our industry need to have a voice in those policy debates. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're here for, is to make sure that policymakers of all levels understand the positive impact the internet, internet companies have on the economy as a whole, and how their policy decisions impact these companies and the future of innovation in our country. So net neutrality is the topic du jour right now, but are there other things that you see coming up uh, on the on the horizon that we're going to be uh, talking about soon? Sure. I mean, that's a, I mean, net neutrality certainly is a big one on the national level, on the state and local level. There are, are battles brewing, you know, around the country and around the world on on the sharing economy and ride sharing and companies like Airbnb and Uber and and Lyft that are. Um, you know, fighting to get into markets where you have these entrenched special interests and entrenched industries that have been around for, you know, 50, 100 years maybe, and they have relationships with the regulators and policymakers, and they're just trying to block competition, and that's a bad thing. Um, also, I think when you look at international trade, that's going to be another big issue that's going on. Um, typically, in our trade deals, you think about manufactured products as an export of, you know, the United States, but really inter- the internet companies and the products and services our companies um make available need to be involved in the trade deals as well uh, patent reform is a huge one I don't know how um, how much everybody's following patent trolls but it's a <laughs> it's a really a crazy issue where um, it's become this legalized form of extortion where um, entities are able to sue startups and est- establish internet companies um, almost baselessly um, because of the, some of the flaws in the patent system and the legal system, and we're trying to reform that. Well, you certainly have your uh, work cut out for you. <laughs> uh, Michael Beckerman, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been great. You've been listening to the Harvard Kennedy School Policy Cast, produced by Matt Cadwallader and Molly Lanzarota. Follow us on Twitter at PolicyCast. Thank you.